0: Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm here as always with my co-host John Kuna. Today we'll be discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and the sexual abuse scandal that has come to light. This, uh, you know, most people have probably heard about this, but I'll give you a quick, quick background. Kyle Beach as a, a hockey player. I believe he plays outside the United States now. He was on the Blackhawks team in 2010. Um, I think he was a, I forget the term, but it's a player who kind of comes up, um, a younger player comes up for the stretch run for the playoffs, that yep. kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. hockey or the NHL is unique in that sense. that They kind of do that. Yep. Um, so Kyle Beach was a player who was 20 years old, played for the Blackhawks in 2010, and you know was sexually assaulted or sexually abused by Brad Aldrich, who was a video coach at the time. Um, and you know, obviously there was a whole... The whole component of fear and intimidation and, and other things that went into this this was something that you and i can't remember which episode this is our 39th episode i want to say it was around like late 20s maybe early 30s yeah uh, where we <clears throat> caught wind of this story and talked about it a little bit we kind of just equally shocked that it wasn't getting more attention um yeah it was kind of scary how i mean one of the reasons we we started this podcast was because you know, people are taking mental health more seriously, and athletes are speaking up, up about mental health and about their own uh, mental health situation, and which are all good things. I think that's why we decided to to use this podcast to shine a light on that. So it caught us off guard that something this significant wasn't being talked about more. I, I mean, you and I were kind of baffled. Like, what's going? I think we talked about that. Like, what? Why isn't this is not any major news outlet? Yeah. ESPN's not talking about it. It was really confusing.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that, the same question about that today, too. And I was wondering about whether it was because it was John Doe and then it became Kyle Beach. And I wonder if it was like, if it was when he like finally came forward and stepped forward and t- was like, this is me, mm-hmm. if that's what was everybody paid attention to it for some reason. I, I guess I was trying to understand like, what is the discerning factor here to be like, this is a pretty big yeah. statement and yeah. claim and no one's talking about it. And then when Kyle came up, it seemed to like, okay, now we, now we take it seriously. I was kind of, I was, that was the one thing I was kind of confused on of trying to circle in on like, why is this, what is the difference between not being sense and making sense? That makes sense. that that, it seriously.
0: Yeah. That's why maybe it didn't get more um, publicity until there's an actual name attached to it. In some ways that sort of signifies that we're still behind. Yeah. In other ways it some, uh, signifies that maybe we've, we've moved ahead from where we were. Like if you take something like Ray Rice and that situation that happened, uh, people knew what happened. They knew it was Ray Rice, but it wasn't really taken seriously until there was a video of it, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, obviously was a problem. I think now maybe, you know, things have progressed a little bit to the point where they don't need a video of anything that's happened, but they need a name. Um, Mm -hmm. Still, it shouldn't need a name, right? It should be like, even if it's an anonymous player, uh, I think that was our reaction, right? It was like you know, how many people did this affect? When did they
1: know? What the hell, you know, kind right. of thing. Who else is involved? Else? How long has this guy been? Whoever the abuser was at the time, you knew this was probably not the first person. So you now know. you're thinking about all the other victims exactly. potentially. Yeah, exactly. And that's
0: kind of what, um, I mean, that was the 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 chain of events. I mean, I Kyle Beach didn't come forward. I th- well, he came, he told the Blackhawks, but he I don't think he pressed charges or, or took like more, uh, you know, intense legal action or that kind of thing until he had, uh, I think the you know, Brad Aldrich had been arrested for some other, yep. you know, um, accusation at, a, at a, which he was found guilty for, I believe at, at a different school. Mm-hmm. So you, you see just how many, like when you don't speak up, how many people, you know, get affected. Yeah. Um, it turned to, goes from one and it's just like a compounding effect because mm-hmm. these people are allowed to continue uh, to do these things to others. And I think fear plays a big role, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. So yep. ultimately, you know, at the time, Kyle Beach did tell the the whole sort of leadership um, group at the Blackhawks organization, anywhere from the GM to the co- to the head coach um, and multiple other people were involved in this. I think some of the players were, were aware of it, made aware of it too. Yep. And, you know, they ignored his complaints. I think from what I read, it sounded like the, the classic team approach of just being worried about bad publicity and putting their reputation or, or their image or whatever, their ability to make money, that kind of thing, ahead of the of the better um the betterment of their players or the the health and well-being and safety of of their players never always a horrible thing it's kind of shocking that that happened uh in you know i mean this was 2010 but still um so two people were fired the gm stan bowman was fired the senior director of hockey operations al McIsaac was fired the coach at the time joel quinville was still coaching up until the end of october Mm -hmm. i think he just resigned um I think he was the Florida Panthers. He yeah. was with the Panthers. Yeah. yeah. So he just resigned, which, you know, I think the, I think the NHL is sort of intervening uh, with him and with other, everyone that was involved to figure out what the hell happened here and, and obviously to try to prevent it again. But, um, so we've talked about this before since then it has been taken more seriously, like you said, maybe because, uh, Kyle beach, you know, specifically revealed his name and came forward. Um, I wish it didn't take that much, but what are some of your takeaways, John, from just this whole mess of a situation and.
1: Oh boy, a whole bunch. Um I think you kind of touched on it a little bit too of like what's what are the priorities of a team, mm-hmm. right? Specifically a professional team. And in this situation, clearly the health of the players was is not a priority. And That could be a whole other conversation within hockey, and it's starting to happen a little bit more. Robert Leonard's a big proponent of it. Um, Mm -hmm. We've talked about him before about how players are treated. Um, Eichel, who was on the Sabers, with another person of like the NHL has been had a bad history with physical health, but now also mental health as as well, and what their priorities are. And it got me thinking a lot about like winning seems to be the only priority, Mm -hmm. Um, and it contributes to. Money contribute. If your team is winning, you're going to be selling more merchandise. You're going to be filling stadiums. You're going to be doing all those different things, right? So it seemed to be that that was the priority. And you know, again, I'm not in the room, not in the locker room, and I'm not making any speculation. This is just on comments that other players have made. And um, specifically, the two the two main you know figureheads of that team are Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, and they made some statements afterwards that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not as. Maybe not like cringy, but getting pretty kind of, close yep, to that. Yep. Um, where they basically, they essentially said that they kn- kind of knew what was going on, or they had heard rumors of what was going on. But then they would made statements of like, you know, everybody in there was just trying to win, win hockey, win hockey games. And that like floored me. Yep. I, I have I have a lot of respect for Jonathan Taves and a lot of respect for Patrick Kane. And I have to admit that one really damaged that reputation for mm-hmm. me of clearly. The protection of their reputation and their winningness of their team was yep. more important than a teammate coming out and being like, "Hey, someone's like really hurting me," yeah. and they just sort of said like, "Well, winning's the priority, and I can hide behind that because that's that's the priority." And I, and I had a, I, I I wonder, and I don't think it's probably a stretch of the imagination to think that that stuff goes on, not just in professional levels, but all all over mm-hmm. the place. That the priorities are just off, and then it also made me try to have some empathy i always try to have empathy for people who make statements like that and we figure out like how did they get there like how did how did that become their norm that winning was more important than the health of somebody else And I think, you know, we talk a lot about this with male mental health in general, but we don't, males specifically, but people in general, don't get educated on these types of situations. Like we don't, I don't remember sitting in class being like, hey, if you hear a rumor of someone being sexually assaulted, here are some steps of things that you could be looking to do ever, right? So I think that that's also a big part of one of the gaping holes that a lot of people go through is they're not educated on these. I think partly because it's a really uncomfortable conversation. I think, where do you have the conversations? Do you put the onus on schools to have those? Mm-hmm. Do, should parents be having those? Should teams be having those? I think that they should be happening everywhere. Um, well, we've talked a
0: lot about like the <clears throat> how there is a massive gap in terms of what, and this isn't to blame schools, but there's a massive no. gap in terms of what schools teach versus what they don't teach. And the things that are missing, there are a lot of things that are missing from a, from a typical school education that are really integral to like, living a healthy adult life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically when it comes to like emotional intelligence, social intelligence, uh, you know, mental health awareness, things like that, like fi- financial literacy, right? All yep. these things you and I are very passionate about trying to f- find where those gaps are Yep. and maybe even create something that fills those gaps so that yep. people get the education they need that school is not going to provide. And again, not to say that it's the school's responsibility to provide everything. So well, that's never going to be perfect. Well, that's yeah. the
1: point too. Like, is that, is that the school's responsibility, yeah. right? Like it, it's, it's easy to point fingers and say like the schools are letting our kids down. And, but they have, I mean, I've worked in schools before and it's, it's, it's pretty intense um, with what, their expectations are what they have to teach it's like constantly shifting and changing yep. so it can't just always come from schools Correct. and can't always be blaming schools of yep. like it's your fault that they are not educated Agreed. on this when we hear education we think school but education comes from lots yep. of different yep. sources yep. not just schools so um that's i think one of the, the the two biggest takeaways for me was that clearly in this situation winning was more important than the health and safety of, of their players and of their teammates Which then lends me to go a little bit further down that rabbit hole of saying like, how cohesive was that locker room if someone is coming and talking about how they're being abused and nobody, nobody stood up and said anything. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sad, scary. I feel awful for Kyle in terms of, it sounded like he was really trying to vocalize what was going on and just nobody was- at 20. Right. right. Not to say it would be any easier at 30, of course not. But uh, as a 20 year old,
0: you know we work a lot with guys that are in the 18 to 25 year old range and i actually give credit to all these professional athletes in particular that are in that 18 to 25 year old range and are given a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of access to different things and social media and pressures and your brain's not even de- as a guy anyway your brain's not developed till what 25
1: 26 fully yeah. mid 20s
0: yeah right so like <laughs> that 18 to 25 year old range is such a gauntlet of like just um unpredictability and i mean you're supposed to be making mistakes and you don't know what you're doing because you're legally an adult at 18 in, in the U.S. anyway, but you're not really functionally an adult, in my opinion, until about t- somewhere in the 23 to 25, 23 to 26-year-old range, depending on who you are. Um, and so to sort of go through this at 20, you know, you just feel for somebody like, you know that's just horrible to have to deal with that because it, how alone the person must feel. Mm-hmm. And we know how much, when you talk about education around this type of aspect, when this happens, there's always fear and intimidation and threats that go central to it, right? So this guy threatened his livelihood and his career and that kind of fear and intimidation goes very much hand in hand with um you know why it might seem i think a lot of people from the outside who are uneduc- uneducated would look at a hockey player and say like you're you're a hockey player you're a big tough guy like why would you mm-hmm. why why wouldn't you just walk out of the room and it's never that simple like no. there the psychological manipulation and fear and intimidation that goes into this it, it cannot be understood until you really work with people that have been through this or you've gone through it yourself because it it's just something that you don't understand until you've been in that situation.
1: Right. And perfectly said of even the biggest, you know, tough guys can't man- like, this is still something that everybody struggles with. It doesn't come down to like physical dominance. it, no. it, it not. It, that's not, that's yeah. not the case. Right. And you've got a, you've got a kid who's 20 years old. He's been working his entire life to get to the show. He's finally there. And the, you know what, he's going to throw that, you know, all away exactly. and his family is going to be disrupted. He's got all these things that are going on. He's getting threats and like, of course right no matter how much you can bench press or squat isn't going to help him out of that situation or make him feel any tougher or stronger he like that's a that's a situation i think that's to your point i think that's part of the education process of helping people understand that of like yeah why doesn't why didn't he just leave right when he's get out of the room like mm-hmm. come on it's 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 i think that's where victim blaming starts to come into play too of like yep. well it's you know he not necessarily he was asking for it but like he could have done something to prevent this it's like well no right? No, clearly he couldn't, he couldn't have, if he could have, he would have. And he doesn't know what's going on. Like you said, the psychological manipulation that goes into that is far more impactful Mm -hmm. than like the physical restraints he has.
0: Yeah. And that this, this happens in an, in an instant. I mean, it's, it's, it makes me feel queasy to even get into this type of thing and discuss it in this type of detail. But like, it's not like he had a chance to go home, think it over Mm -hmm. and then make the decision the next day. Like they, a, a person who, who creates, who, um, Does this type of act to somebody else, the the fear is instant, right? And they're and they're putting a person in an impossible position uh for a moment. You have a moment to make that decision, right? Mm -hmm. So in a moment, a 20-year-old's career is flashing before his eyes, and he has to make that decision. Imagine having to make that decision Mm -hmm. in three seconds. Like, do I, you know, it's the it's the choice between a horrible decision A or horrible decision B. There's no good outcome to that. No. Um, and the amount of fear and just feeling trapped that must have taken place in that moment. It's just horrible. Um, you know, it, it, to me, the stuff you mentioned about, um, the other players and the comments they made, I think it's an unfortunate, uh, journey back into how, how different things were in 2010 or even 2015 to now. I mean, we've talked about that in a lot of episodes, but around 2015 is where I think things started to really turn. But even, you know, in 2010, 11, there were the like, you know, meta world pieces making comments and Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Marshall really started to come forward uh, probably around 2011 um, about his uh, mental health situation. And, you know, that was just the start, in my opinion, of like really things starting to go in the right direction with our awareness. Uh, 2015 is when it started to really shift in terms of, I think that's when like the, you know, Jackie McMullen series on ESPN came out and things like that. And it's brought us, that stuff was so important because it's brought us to today where, things are much better, but this is a, this is like a time machine because you go, you realize this happened in 2010 and this is not to excuse the Blackhawks team of the players, but things were in a very different uh, Mm -hmm. place then than they are now. I hope that if this happened now, people would come forward. I kind of think they would. Um, but this shows you that in, at 2010, it was just not where it needed to be. Um, particularly in hockey, I would say hockey and football are probably the, the two sports where this type of thing would be more likely to, to, uh, happen without people saying anything compared to maybe some other sports that's Mm -hmm. speculative. I don't know that for, for a fact, but, um, just understanding the culture of those two sports,
1: I would guess that that would be the case. Um, yeah. One thing you mentioned too, about like when you're in that situation, I think it's easy for people who aren't, to be able to think logically about what they would do in a situation like exactly. that, and when you're in that situation, your 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 brain physically cannot make rational decisions. It's not logic at all. No, yeah, you're, that it's part fear, of your it's brain, fight, it's, flight, or freeze. You're right? in yeah. complete yep. survival mode. You yep. cannot think clearly about hey, something might be going on. Let me process this information as it's coming in and think and synthesize it and think about how I want to respond. That entire process is completely gone. Yep. right? So you're talking about a 20-year-old whose brain is already underdeveloped. And then the part of the brain that relates to thinking and processing is like underdeveloped. And it's now shut down because you're in a complete state of fear and panic. And you can't think clearly. And it's easy for people to look in from outside in hindsight and be like, well, if, why wouldn't you just got up? Why wouldn't you have just done this? Why wouldn't you have just done this? Well, because he can't think. He's in protective mode right then. And he can't think clearly about how to make decisions or what he needs to do. You're only in that fight, flight, or freeze. And that's, I think, one thing that gets often missed. And that's, again, relates back to the education piece of like helping people understand the state of victim is in in those situations is not like a typical walking down the street on a, on a random you know day and thinking clearly about how things are going. That's not that's not the circumstances that that person is in.
0: Totally, and it, I think it's I think you're right. It's education and empathy, the combination yeah. of those two, because you have to understand what we're talking about from a psychological and physiological standpoint, right. and you also have to have the ability to have some empathy and put yourself in another person's shoes. The example I would give is like if you have ever been driving a car, and let's say like a bird like flies right in front of your car. Now, logically, you can probably understand that a bird has wings and they're probably going to be able to fly out of there quickly and not get hit by your car. But does your brain actually think that in the <laughs> moment? No. You freak out. You think you're might you going to hit another living being of some kind yep. or you're going to be in danger yourself. Right. You're not even thinking about that. Your brain literally hijacks your ability to think mm-hmm. and just goes into survival mode and thinks, do I have to swerve, right? Fight for or freeze. Do I have to slam on the brakes? Yep. Do I have to swerve? Like, what do I have to do here to survive? Yep. That is what the brain does. It hijacks you. So it's mm-hmm. not a personal choice at all. Any more than, you know, slamming on the brakes or swerving a vehicle to miss a bird is like a choice in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the odds of you hitting it, right, that's going to fly away. You're not going to hit it, but your brain doesn't know that at the moment. No. And, and so I'm trying to think of any better examples. But like when the brain is put into fight, flight, or freeze mode, you're no longer making, calling the shots. No. I mean, there is a, like an evolutionary component that is now right. taken over and it's just trying to keep you alive it doesn't know what your name is. It doesn't know what your personality is. It doesn't know what happened yesterday. No. It's just thinking like in the next nanosecond, what do I have to do to hijack your brain and body to keep you in you know alive right. for the next moment? That's right. basically it. Right. right. Even if
1: there's no actual danger Correct. of death, your brain can't make that discerning decision. And it exactly. just, it just, the limbic system part of the brain that sort of like navigates that just takes over and is like, we're just going to keep you safe. Yep. Right. And that, that's exactly what happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's interesting. You also brought up something about about ownership, you know, and I think this is where like sports, um, it's a very slippery slope because mm-hmm. these teams, you know, in effect, you know, because of the contracts and the way they have exclusive rights to players, it is a bit of like they own the player kind of thing. And they go way too far with that a lot of times. They, just because you own a player in terms of their ability to perform as a hockey player on the ice does not mean you own their health or their mental health. And I think like we've heard the Jack Eichel one is a good example of this, where like essentially he was, it seemed like the Sabres were kind of coming from the angle of we get to choose what surgery you have. And I think a lot of teams come at that um, from that angle, especially I think we, in the past we've probably talked about this a little bit in terms of the, the distrust for the, Uh, physical medical staff of teams because they work for the team, they get paid by the team. Right. So they're going to make decisions based on what is in the best interest of the team, not the person. Great. Which has (laughs) led to a lot of mistrust on the mental health side. So when these teams want to bring in mental health professionals, I think players are like, yeah, okay. No Uh, way. Not trusting that at all because their track record is pretty clear. Like Mm -hmm. they're going to bring in people that are biased towards the organization. And um, that is never the place you can be in as a coach or a mental health professional. You, You have to be given... Um, you have to be given complete permission to do things in the best interest of the person, the player as a person, not the player as a tool, right? And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know that, that teams have had that conversation with mental health professionals. We've never really negotiated with a, a team to go on and like work for them. But mm-hmm. I know if we did, that'd be the first thing we would say. 100%. We, you know, we, look, you might pay the checks, but we're not making decisions based on these people as they relate to your bottom line. Like it's got, yeah. it has to be, free reign to just do what's in the best interest of the person, Yep, which is driven by what they think is in their best interest. It's not even driven by what the therapist thinks. It, no. It's driven by what the person thinks. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I doubt that, that teams have given that kind of free reign to these professionals.
1: No. I think what a lot of times we see is we see teams, unfortunately, and again, this is a little bit of speculation. There might be much more in-depth process, but I can kind of see that I think a lot of teams just kind of like throw – a person on staff because then they can say that they've got somebody on staff. I don't know how effective those people are not to say that they're not good at what they do, mm-hmm. but in terms of the barriers that you're describing of like the safety that players actually feel to go and talk to those people, I think is probably pretty minimal. Yep. Um, and there's still teams that don't have them. Right. So, um, I, you know, I think, I think there's definitely a lot of distrust, especially in the NHL around, like you said, a lot of those different things specific to physical health, but it definitely translates to mental health as well. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to trust them to make decisions in the best interest of your physical health, why would you trust them to make decisions based on your mental yeah, health? Yeah. So um, it's certainly a barrier and you bring up a really good point that if we ever went and did stuff like that, that would be one of the things that would be like pretty crystal clear yep. that this is a, a boundary of like, we're not willing to take orders from you We're mm-hmm. real. we're here to support the, the actual athletes. And I, I would, be willing to bet a good small fortune that that conversation is not being had. And these people that are coming in on full payroll are are there as just like another surgeon or doctor mm-hmm. or things like that or or physical therapist on staff to do what the team want, thinks is in the best interest of their team, not the person.
0: Yeah, and I can even <laughs> see like ownership groups – Saying what they need to say to get the people on staff and then not following through with that. You know, mm-hmm. you actually get into the position and they expect you to do what they want you to do. You know, they're bidding, so to speak. And yeah. Um, so I can see that happening. A lot of people are getting into the role because they're given promises of like having the ability to to do what's in the best interest of the person until it actually
1: comes down to it. And, yep. and maybe they're not. So right. ownership, come on and pro- prove us wrong. Come I know, on. We'll I know. welcome any conversations and yes. let us know what the process is. I'd be exactly. happy to have that conversation with you guys. Exactly. Yeah? Exactly.
0: So, there, I mean, there's some other <laughs> takeaways here. You know, one. One, I think this reflects on how behind older and older, definitely yeah. older, but also middle generations of guys are when it comes to mental health understanding. Like I think a lot, I think a lot of the guys that were on the the GM, the coach, these are all guys that are like above 50. And in my opinion, this is painting with a broad brush, but guys in that generation are clueless when it comes to mental health. I mean, I think that's why, like typically when we work with young guys, it's the mother that reaches out. I mean, this is like, mm-hmm. you know, painting with a broad brush because sometimes you have two mother families, sometimes you have two father families. Um, so those are, are examples that that don't fit into this kind of mold. But I think in general, if, if you talk about, you know, a mother, father kind of family, it's typically the mom that reaches out to us, um, mm-hmm. not the dad. And that's, look, we've had some dads reach out. And I think dads are, are getting more and more educated across the board. But there, there's just not enough. There's There's too few guys that are above, I would say, 40. That really understand mental health and and how it affects them, how it affects uh, the community, how it affects the kids. So to me, you get if you you know someone like Kyle Beach goes and reports this to five dudes that are 58 years old, I'm not shocked that this is what happened because I think they 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 don't have an understanding. So you talked about education, Mm -hmm. right? They don't have an understanding. And when it comes to the mentality of a male coach that is above 50, their capacity for empathy is like non-existent. I mean, we we still see this, in my opinion, amongst youth uh, sports. You get a guy who's above 40 and is a youth sports coach, and they don't know the first thing about empathy. They don't know the first thing about mental health. They don't know the first thing about mindset, performance, coaching, understanding the total person. They just, they coach through intimidation, mm-hmm. fear and intimidation. That's it. Yep. Right. And it's kind of impossible if you coach from that angle to also be empathetic, right? You really no. just like, that's that's your angle. You're going to hope that everyone's just sort of like- Fits that mold. Fits that mold or yeah. cowers to your fear-induced yeah, right. kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. training and and plays better most most people do not respond well to that there are Mm -hmm. some people that do yeah even the ones that do i think you know it can always negatively impact them in sort of a subtle side way Mm -hmm. um so i I think that it it reflects on on that because i think you know we look around at youth sports and that is an area where it's still you know kind of tragically behind and and freaks me out because i think it's affecting a lot of young people but Mm -hmm. especially young guys um so i don't
1: know if you had anything yeah no i think i mean the youth sports thing you definitely bring up but i think that's a huge they're 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 woefully behind i think um particularly with you know with sports and male coaches specifically i think to your point that was like the how they grew up watching coaches that looked that that did that type of stuff and so that's how they emulate right Mm -hmm. like yelling screaming degrade yep um you know break them down so you can build them up type of mentality which is like we're talking about eight, nine year olds here, man. Like what what are you really looking to accomplish here? Uh, we're looking to actually build a foundation. There's nothing to break down. There's, they're learning, they're building, right? So you're not, you're, you're breaking down just self-esteem and core principles Mm -hmm. of this kid. Mm -hmm. And that's not any way to try to bring them back up. So I I do think that to your point, I think that some people probably do respond. Um, I'd be curious as to why they respond that way, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I think that, you know, It's for, for coaching now. And this is where, again, we coming back to the education piece that coaches just don't have enough education on how to, on on best practices for coaching. Um, and you know, there's lots of, there's lots of places that you can go to do those types of things, but this like one fits all and fear and intimidation being the primary way of doing that just isn't, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you end up just burning kids out. I think the average age for kids to get burned out of athletics if they're starting around um, like seven, six or seven is like 13. It's mm-hmm. like a high percentage. I saw mm-hmm. some scary numbers of that, like getting burned out, playing sports by 13 years old. Like what? What are we doing? Yeah, That's definitely a reflection of the system that pe- like youth, youth athletics is mm-hmm. in if kids are not wanting to play sports by 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when passion should be getting like seated. Right. Yep. <clears throat> and that they want to like keep going. Not, ah, I think I'm done with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a reflection of, of multiple different things, but I definitely think the coaching style is, is a big proponent of that.
0: Agreed. And this kind of relates, we were going to, I was going to say this or we were going to say this for the next episode, but I think maybe we can talk about this now. And it's that, that, um, that video posted by Marcellus Wiley, uh, yeah. on, on Twitter. I think, well, no, it was on, is he for ESPN or is it I like, think so. I think he's on the ESPN program. Yep. It, it might be FSN. I don't even know. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was ESPN though. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Marcellus Wiley is a former NFL player and he was talking to, I think, Emmanuel Acho, who's yep. also another fo- uh, former NFL player. <clears throat> um, I think it was on an ESPN show, but they're basically talking about, um, talking about mental health. Uh, I would say that's the general thing. Mm-hmm. I think the reason they brought it up was because um, Calvin Ridley and Lane Johnson are, are both um, NFL players who stepped away recently to, yep. to focus on their mental health. Um, and, you know, Carey Price is also a hockey goalie who recently stepped away mm-hmm. saying, citing that he has neglected his own mental health for, for so long that it's starting to, you know, he needs to go fix what the, the ramifications of years and years of neglecting that. Which yep. I think is those things are obviously important, right? Those guys stepping away. Um, but, you know, Marcellus Wiley was sort of commenting on that. And the reason why I, this kind of relates is because he starts his sort of dialogue about his commentary on mental health with an experience he had when he was eight or nine with, with a a coach, you know, and at the banquet after the season, the coach kind of gave them a plaque and the plaque had certain things written on it. And he always ties back to that because he he feels like that coach did a really good job of sort of using sports as a vehicle to teach them about the adversity they're going to face in Mm -hmm. life. Um, And I think I would guess, so I think there's a very fine line between a coach that's able to do that and a coach that just screams and yells and does these things. I think a lot of coaches think they're doing Maybe what Mar- Marcellus Wiley said his coach did yep. successfully, but they're not actually doing it, right? They're just sort of using, uh, you know, berating and fear and other things to try to like, um, you know, jumpstart the the type of performance they're looking at
1: from young people. Well, it's to justify their own methods as well.
0: Is exactly true. Yeah, yeah exactly true. So I think there's there's probably a fine line. I think a lot of guys think they're teaching young athletes about uh, life through sports. And really, they're just uh, breaking them down mm-hmm. to, I guess, try to build them up, like you said, but like who actually does that, right? At the end, I think you just break them down mm-hmm. um, and they just play through fear. And that's kind of the only thing. So so that kind of ties into what Marcellus Wiley was, was talking about. That's where he started, right? Mm-hmm. He started with that. And he gets into some really interesting things. I mean, you and I kind of went back and forth because I was sort of fascinated by by what he said. It was like a five-minute video. We'll put a link in the show notes to mm-hmm. this thing. Because it's it, first and foremost, it's a good example of how it's it's always a risk to just say all good or all bad to what you hear somebody say. I yep. think it's always good to kind of pay attention to the nuance and pick out some things that maybe were good and pick out some things that yep. maybe you disagree with or, yep. or aren't so good. I think that's a Need great to example up. here. Yeah. Because yeah. he is like he's on the whole spectrum in terms of the stuff that <laughs> he was talking about. Um, so he starts by giving the story about him being eight and having this coach and, and what that meant to him. He then said, I think he said, I respect when he's talking about Calvin Ridley and Lane Johnson, he said, I, I respect their vulnerability more than what they're actually saying here. So he starts with that. Um, and then he kind of gets into some different things about mental health. I think essentially he's sort of asking for more parity with with physical health, um, with mental health compared to physical health. Like mm-hmm. he wants them to be handled the same way. Right. right. Which- yeah. On the surface, is a good thing. We've always advocated for parity when it comes to like, help, you know, health insurance companies or things like sure. that. Yep. Right. But I don't think that's quite what what he was going for. I think um, what he's basically saying is like, with with physical pain, we feel pain, and then we identify the source, location, or cause of the physical pain, and then we target that information to sort of repair, heal, rehab that yep. kind of thing. And he's almost asking for us to do the same thing with with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way he describes it is that when people use the term mental health we stop asking questions basically. And he's kind of right in a sense. Yep. Um, the tough part is it's hard to know how to fix that because I think mental health is a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more, a little different when it comes to a person's privacy. Mm-hmm. Not to say physical health isn't, but I mean, if like someone, you know, rolls their ankle on a field, everyone saw it. Right. Right. So it's like you can, or, or <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So I, it's hard to know, you know, it's, I'm not sure it's an analogy that works. Mm-hmm. I know what he's aiming for. Right. You know, he wants to be treated the same. I think what he's really saying is that um, it's a slippery slope when it comes to mental health to just say mental health and no one asks questions and Agreed. walks away. Yeah, I don't know how to solve that, mm-hmm. but I do know it is a slippery slope. We've talked about this before. Right? Yep. Even the whole mental health day and things like that. I have I have concerns. I think it's a great thing. I also think it can be it could be uh you, you know, not abused, but like used incorrectly or that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this like when we and we've talked about polarities and things like that but like the difference between you know not talking about mental health and only talking about mental health like we have we have this really bad habit as a society to go from one extreme to the other and i think we try to as a conversation start we try to like slow it down a little bit so that we can calibrate and because to your point if it just becomes like oh yeah my mental health is struggling and it just sort of like as an excuse to 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 step away whether it's accurate or not doesn't actually help the conversation go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like stunts it. And mm-hmm. I think that there was some good points that he made in that in that five minute video. Again, I think he took it a little bit to the extreme yep. uh, in certain places. But I do think that it's that it, it is a slippery slope to have those conversations ar- around it. And like, yeah, you know, my mental health is is struggling. And then to just not ask any questions, um, or to be a like a that, that's just that's just it. I think mm-hmm. we have to be able to get not deeper or understand why they're stepping away. But we do have to have a find a way to. Calibrate this because I can very easily see this becoming a big, massive thing and an excuse for people, and without any real resources or understanding of how we can like treat that. And so, yeah. it, it's 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 certainly a slippery slope because you don't want to be you don't want to you know devalue or invalidate someone who needs to step away from mental health, but also it, I could very easily be seeing this becoming just like a big, massive snowball yep. effect, and it's hard then to understand. It's probably probably largely in part to do the fact of like, People feel safe enough to actually talk about it. So I do think there's a there's a piece of that. But I also could see this becoming a thing that people start to take advantage of in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the stuff that you want to try to protect about. Because then when that starts to happen, ben people start- Ben Simmons
0: stop... is an example of this. Exactly. Know.
1: Yes. And I think that when you start to use it for your advantage rather than for your health, yep. people stop taking it seriously. Exactly. And then we go back to the other thing of like, we're not going to pay, pay, pay attention to it. And we just exactly. go back and forth. So it's a really important conversation. And this is why I think we're trying to have it to help calibrate it so that yep. we're focusing on the right questions and we're focusing on the right topics. Agreed. Agreed. I would say Ben
0: Simmons and Kyrie <laughs> Irving to me are examples of this. I don't I don't believe for a second that Kyrie Irving actually wanted to step away from mental health. I think he does things that just serve another purpose that he's looking for his own angle to things so people can't control him and stuff like that, which is a whole other topic. We've gotten into it before. Yep. Um, but Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons to me have, have sort of, the way they've used the whole concept of mental health, I think has set things back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much. But so Marcellus Wiley also talks about, um, I think w- one thing he's looking for is accountability because he gives a parallel between, this was, I found this kind of interesting. He gives a parallel between guys using jet skis or motorcycles in the off season when it's in their contract not to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Vers- and and have ha- the team will hold them accountable, right? They are accountable for that. They might be fined. They might be suspended, that kind of thing. Or they might be docked pay, right? right? If that's in their contract, they probably won't be, if they miss the season, I think there's grounds for the team to not pay them at all. Yep. And what he's looking for is uh he likens he likens social media overuse to jet skiing in the offseason. Like if, you know, if social media is the need for approval, I would say jet skiing is kind of the need for stimulation. But they're both things that technically should the person be aware that they should stay away from those things if mm-hmm. it's going to negatively impact them. Maybe that that I yes. guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's where the accountability is. Now, mm-hmm. um, what's what's I don't know, it's it's hard to to compare apples to oranges here. I don't know that they're the same thing. Um, but you know, maybe they are, I don't know. I don't think all mental health situations are like that. I think mental health is much more invisible, much more nuanced and and cumulative. We've talked about that a lot. So it's not always just one thing like hopped on a jet ski, got hurt, like, right. And even mental health, like, can you really say it's went on social media too much? That's why I need to step away from mental health. It's probably more than that. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think from the outside looking in, maybe you can give that comparison. I, I like the accountability thing, mainly because. We've talked a lot about, I mean, it's something I say to all the young guys I work with is that mental health is real and we have to acknowledge it as real and understand it and learn about it, but we can't use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. I think the second you use it as an excuse, you sort of uh, are making yourself a victim and you're not really, that to me is not the starting place for
1: getting better and feeling good and making positive changes. No, you just kind of put your feet up and say it's mental health yep. reasons and then I don't exactly. have to address it. And then I like sort of, I think in the, in the spotlight, this is what I'm saying, like where things could potentially go too far, right? And Sounds odd as a mental health therapist saying that, but it does. It's it's hard to it's hard to calibrate because then, to your point, like if it's like, oh, I'm I'm it's mental health reasons, right? No one's going to ask me any questions. There's no accountability, mm-hmm. and then there's no engagement in wanting to get better. And I think we 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 do sometimes see that of mental health being used as an excuse. We also see it in the physical realm, right? Like. Oh, my hamstrings, my hamstrings hurting today, or my ankle feels, you know, things like that. Like it's, it, you can use excuses when they're not really there to, valid to not have to perform. And I, I could see, that's where I see the danger of mental health going. If we aren't able to calibrate properly of people using it as an excuse to just not do something, but then also even worse, not to engage in the work to get better. And yeah. and the, the example that you use about like the jet skis and the social media piece, I think, I think that what, what I think he was trying to get at was that, there are things that you have to be accountable for to protect your physical health. And then there should be maybe the equal representation of protecting your mental health. And I- But see, this, I agree with you, but this is what's interesting about this. Is that Calvin Ridley's fault? Because to me, right. it's like, there's no way that's in his contract. No, no. Right? No, I don't think it's, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's any blame on either, on Calvin Ridley, especially- Not by to, you, to, but, right. but by Marcellus Wiley, I think Th- that's where I. That's, that's where I differ, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's where I sort of separate yeah. myself. I don't think there's blame to it because honestly- I would imagine there are no stipulations in contracts for, for mental health protection or we, we talk about prehab. I, there's there's nothing along those lines, right. right? Like you should be doing programmatic, you should be doing systematic and programmatic approaches yep. to, to, tough, to to working on your mental health and yep. to working on your mental fitness. That stuff doesn't exist in con. I mean, I, I, maybe, I've never seen a professional contract, but I can almost guarantee there's that no that, that shit does not exist. And this is my point, which is
0: like, you're totally right because it's Marcellus Wiley is saying that this is on Calvin Ridley and Calvin Ridley should be treated the same way as if he was on a jet ski Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's—I don't think we're there yet because I think what really has to happen is one. I think isn't Calvin really owning it? I mean, he's, yeah, Marcellus Wiley is looking for accountability based on where contracts are now, based on where teams are, based on where expectations, educations around uh, education around mental health, expectations around prehab. Mm-hmm. I think Calvin really is owning it. He's stepping away, <laughs> yeah. to learn about how social media Im- impacted him or his overall mental health, so that he can come back and be a stronger player. Mm-hmm. Now, if it gets the the differences, I think Wiley is saying he should be fined or docked pay, maybe, or I think that the the move, in my opinion, is not on the onus is not on on um, Calvin Ridley. To me, the onus is on the league and the play and Agreed. the teams. I agree. To say we need to take mental health seriously. We need to educate these players more about these things. And then maybe we need even need to put things in their contracts so that the expectations yeah. about their prehab they do for mental health are clear mm-hmm. so that
1: this kind of stuff doesn't happen. To me, that that's not on Calvin Ridley. You no. Know? I agree, I, and I think you start tying you start tying the actual work to the money. You're gonna see you're gonna see results, and, exactly. I, and I think, especially in professional sports, that's that's where it all usually comes yep. back to is the money. And I think if you start associating like prehab as part of your contract and tied into your money, that if you come in and you're not doing the necessary steps, that it could affect your pay. I, I think you start to see some real systematic change, and I think that it would be a wildfire of uh, throughout throughout athletics in general. So. But it's so this is where like where we were having these conversations offline about like, well, he's kind of like he's kind of saying some good stuff, but going a little bit too much to the extreme. Because to your point, I don't think there's some really good things. Yes. But I think he's he's
0: jumping far ahead of himself or saying them slightly like, in my opinion, incorrectly. Right. But like there's some things that are true. It's not all horrible. I think there are things that <laughs> no. we need to pay attention to that he's saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I don't think it's fair to sort of be like, well, he, he needs to, you know, it's it's his fault or, you know, to not taking accountability because we don't know, right? It's social media was part of it. But I imagine with stuff like this, if you're removing yourself from, from, from the game I, there's there's more risk factors than just social media, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot of other stuff that, that's going on. And I imagine that's probably what's going on for a lot of these players who mm-hmm. are choosing to step away, that it's not just like one thing. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that it is. Again, this is speculation and it could be one thing. Yeah. Um, but I imagine it's a whole host of different things. And now that people are talking more about it, they're like, oh... You're now paying attention to it and being like, oh, so this that this experience that I've been feeling isn't normal and there's actually a relief from this, so I can get help and then they're doing it. That's that's the positive influence of this sort of new wave. But like I said, important for us to have a conversation because I could easily see this, you know, in the future becoming like, well, I just I just don't feel like going to work today. So yeah. I, you know, my have a mental health. My mental health is struggling and then yeah. no one asks questions and no, there's no accountability for that. I do see that as being a problem. down the I, road. I
0: agree. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. He also mentioned something. He said, his quote was these cats today are having too many inputs. And so quote, these cats today are having too many inputs, end quote. Too many, in my opinion, what he means is too many opportunities, too many distractions, too much of everything. And that includes being your own brand, right? We've talked about how media has changed mm-hmm. and now players really have to be their own platform, their own brand. Not everyone can handle that. I mean, and he he and this he talks about physical weakness versus mental weakness, and he says some people are physically strong, some people are are physically weak, some people are mentally strong, some people are mentally weak. I think that's a very all or nothing kind of way to put it. Yeah. I, I think it's about like we talk about spectrums, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a spectrum to things. Some people are physically are are mentally strong enough and resilient enough to handle the level of play required to be a professional athlete, all the the different things and stresses that come with that. And being their own brand on social media, other people probably can't. Right. And that, I don't even necessarily think that that makes them weak. I think it's just that they're maybe it's just not what is suitable for them to be happy or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that is that about weakness? I don't necessarily think it is about mental weakness or mental strength. No. It might just be about fit. Like I think some people, based on their personality and what they enjoy out of life, are more fit to be okay with enjoying a social media platform and being that kind of brand. Other people are not. Right. Right. So. I guess that's about self-awareness, but I think where I'm taking this is maybe that's what teams build in, where they say like, look, if you plan to take on these nine inputs into your life when we're just asking you to be a player, right? if you want to be your own brand because you're trying to make money outside of your salary here, mm-hmm. and you want to do this and you want to go to these appearances, you want, you can do that, but that's the same as you going on a jet ski or a motorcycle, and we're going to treat it that way. And if it impacts your ability to stay on the field, right, you will be docked pay. To me, that's where I think it's going to head. Is yep. that they're going to have, end up having language for that kind of thing. Which is a whole different I mean we could all have an episode <laughs> on how to do that in a way that's like balanced and not discriminatory or who knows right where, where right. that could go but it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, anything so there's one other thing he gave a, an example of what he tells uh, to his daughter which I thought was kind of like good that's advice be, yeah it was he says basically um, you know handle handle things one at, I'm paraphrasing but handle things one at a time instead of combining things. So like if there's you know nine sources of stress in your life if, if you're really viewing them as a, a cumulative kind of thing, it's going to overwhelm you or you're going to catastrophize and shut down. Yep. Whereas if you handle things one at a time as they come to you then it's a little bit more manageable. Um, so I'm not sure that applies to everybody, but I think it was kind of good fatherly advice in my opinion.
1: Yeah. That was the one thing I was going to bring. I liked that, that piece that he gave to us. That's something that you and I, I know I talk about a lot with clients who come in and they're like 50 million things. And I was like, great, let's talk about the, the one that you have the hardest yep. time and kind of work through work through it one by one to help you said like sort of de decatastrophize the situation and when you've got a million things on your mind you're not thinking clearly and so it, it is nice to just be like let's talk about one thing yeah, yeah, right now yeah. and work and start from there. Exactly, exactly. So a lot of a lot of stuff that I think
0: um you know his delivery and so, some sensationalism sort of probably yeah. clouded some truths sure. but he did say some good things you know we talked about a couple there's also he talked about the need for too much external validation causing massive issues. Definitely true. Like yeah. Calvin Ridley's an example of this, right? If you aren't able to intrinsically, meaning from within, Drive your own sense of self worth and invalidation. Yeah, yeah. You are screwed. It's only a matter of time if you're looking for that from any anyone around you, inside from yourself,
1: right? Even your immediate family. I think you have to have, be able to to derive that from yourself. I can confidently say that 100 percent of the athletes that I work with this is one of the main issues that they struggle with. Yep. yeah Is that their performance dictates their mood or yep. their self sense or their you know getting good positive feedback from from either from fans or from coaches or from players? It's they haven't they do not have the ability to intrinsically generate confidence and it's the number one thing usually that i'm that i'm working with yeah this relates
0: to you talked a lot about identity overlap between identity and and
1: uh always you know the position in sports as
0: an athlete and and how that is the only driver behind their confidence or their self-worth yep so he also talks about the need to be responsible for our own mental health and decisions we make and i agree with that too i agree um and so some good stuff i know a lot of people will will probably like you know scream at us for even remotely trying to phrase what marcellus wiley said as as positive but i do think it's important to say no there's a lot of stuff that maybe we don't agree with there but there's a lot of good things that if we tweak them a little bit yeah actually have some value to what he said so um so that was it we just covered a whole spectrum of things right and it's not to we talked about you know the, the the ben simmons Kyrie side of the spectrum when it comes to mental health and and the importance of mental health in terms of why someone steps away, and then we cover the far end of the spectrum, which is what Kyle Beach went through in terms right. of uh, you know, assault and abuse and, and trauma. Um, that is a wide range of things, right? We're not mm-hmm. comparing those people no, at all. I think no. it's a whole uh, spectrum and, and range, uh, all important for us to be educated on. Um, you know, and I think we just try to cover that. So. Um, Again, just as a reminder, all the helpful information and links that we described today can be accessed in the show notes and on our website at GrimDrive.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Grim Drive podcast for this discussion about the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll be back next week to talk about hormones, specifically dopamine. Thanks, everyone.